Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avarachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you for this Shabbat, for this opportunity to gather together on a day that you have set aside for us to rest in your presence and to have a holy convocation in your presence. Father, I thank you that you've allowed us this opportunity to gather together and to worship united as one, Amechad, as one people, united in your Ruach HaKodesh and your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you have renewed and restored your breath of life within us, that we have awakened the morning to be able to lift our voices and worship before you and lord i pray that as we open your word today that it will be your voice heard your word received that nothing of me will be involved in this message except that that which you have established and ordained for this purpose b'shem yeshua meshachinu in the name of yeshua messiah we pray and everyone says amen coffee gotta love it all right uh so this week we're in parsha vaylech uh as i think I remember saying last week. I don't, maybe I'm not, I don't know. Uh, this is actually my Haftar or my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, my, my Torah and Haftar Parsha from my Bar Mitzvah, which was a few years back. Um, but uh, so it's always fun when it comes around. A lot of years it's actually combined with last week's Parsha, so with Netzavim Vailech uh, combined. Uh, this year it, it stands alone as it did uh, when I had my Bar Mitzvah, which means that if you're doing the math, that means that my Bar Mitzvah Torah Parsha was one of the shortest Torah Parshot in the entire Torah cycle, which is awesome when you're having your Bar Mitzvah. Uh, so, <laughs> so with all of that said, we're going to go ahead and dive right into it because this is honestly a really awesome passage uh, in the Word of God as we witness the the transition of leadership from uh, the first generation to the second generation. We've already witnessed the transition from the first generation of Israel who left Egypt uh, uh, being freed from slavery and entered into the covenant at Sinai and then rejected the promises that go with that covenant as they stood at the shores of the Jordan River the first time. And now we've seen this transition from the first generation of Israel to the second generation of Israel. And now we're watching this transition from the first generation of Israel's leadership leadership to the second generation of Israel's leadership, preparing to lead them into the promised land. So if you have your scriptures, go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy 31, beginning with verse 1. If you don't have your scriptures with you, I'm not really sure what you thought we were doing today. Um, there's definitely no ball games on the screens, although... Yankees play in a few hours, so uh, no, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and dive right into uh, Deuteronomy 31, beginning with verse 1. It says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. Adonai has said to, to me, you are not to cross over this Jordan. Adonai, your God, he will cross over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and he will dispossess them. Joshua will cross over before you, just as Adonai has promised. We'll pause there just to set up some context here historically. Moses was 40 years old when he left Egypt the first time and went out into the wilderness and uh, ended up uh, as a sheep herder and so on. He spent 40 years and the wilderness being prepared by God before the Lord called him back to Egypt to lead Egypt, uh, lead Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, and then he spent 40 years in the wilderness with, with Israel. So we're talking 120 years here that he's gone through. So for those that can do the math, biblically 40 years 
is a generation. So he has lived in essence through three generations of Israel's history, and he has led Israel for one of those generations. Um, and so now he has come to this point where the Lord says, all right, this is the end of your journey. Um, and now you are going to hand off leadership to Joshua, and Joshua is going to take the nation of Israel the rest of the way. So this is his last chance not only to encourage Joshua, but to encourage the nation of Israel to not make the same mistakes that their fathers made uh, before them in rejecting the promises of the Lord. So in verse 3 he says, Adonai your God, he will cross over before you, he will destroy these nations before you, and he will dispossess them. Joshua will cross over before you just as Adonai has promised. So he's reassuring them that God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. Verse 4, he picks up on this encouragement by reminding them of what God has already done for them miraculously in terms of warfare and everything that happened up to this point in preparation for the warfare that lays before them as they cross the Jordan into the promised land. Verse 4, Adonai will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. Adonai will give them over to you and you are to do to them according to all the mitzvot, all the commandments that I have commanded you. And verse 6 is really where it really gets interesting. Chazak, be courageous, do not be afraid or tremble before them. For Adonai your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. In Hebrew this verse, verse 6 reads like this. Chizku ve'imtsu al tiru ve'al taratsu mil panecha Ki Adonai Elohecha hu ha-holecha imach lo yarpecha velo ya'azvecha. So in English again, chazak, be courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble before them. For Adonai your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. We've got seven really important words in the Hebrew here as we read this one verse. Verse six, seven really important words. First, we re- read the word chazak, which if you have a TLV, it's, it's right there. Uh, if you're reading in the Hebrew, it's even more so right there because it's actually the word. Uh, the, the first word at the very beginning of this verse, chazak. This is a root word in Hebrew meaning to seize, to be strong, figuratively to be courageous. In other words, be courageous. Do not fear what lays before you. The next word immediately after this, uh, uh, the root word is amat, which means to, uh, to be alert, to be courageous, steadfastly minded and strong. So he tells us, as we often read in the English, be strong and courageous. But even more so, we could dig a little deeper into the Hebrew and we see that it's actually be alert, be awake, be conscious of what's happening, be courageous and be strong and trust in the Lord. Does it make sense? So it's not just as simple, be strong and courageous, because then it's almost as though we're taking this whole thing on our own shoulders and we're going. Right? But that's not the case. God isn't saying, hey, okay, you're crossing the Jordan now. Your fathers, they kind of messed it all up. Now it's your shot. Go do whatever you're going to do, and hopefully this pans out. But instead he tells them, no, no, be strong, be courageous, be alert of what's going on around you. The next word is, the root word is yare, which means to fear. So it's literally, uh, he says, do not fear. It's literally that idea of fear, of, of trepidation, of, of trembling in your, as, as would be said in, in the South, trembling in your boots, shaking in your boots of what's going on around you and what's in front of you. He says, says uh, be strong and courageous. Do not fear what lays before you. Uh, the fourth word is aratza, which is a root word meaning to uh, have awe or dread. So he says, do not have awe or dread of the nations that I'm taking you in to dispossess. Do not have awe of them. Don't be excited at what you see about them and do not dread them as though they're bigger than you. Because as we see with the first generation that left Egypt, 
It's exactly what they did. The ten spies bring back an evil report, and they said, "Report!" And they said, "We're like grasshoppers in their eyes, and they're like giants before us. We could never do this." And the Lord speaking through Moses to this second generation sitting at the shores of the Jordan River, looking at the promises of God before them, he says, do not be in awe or dread of the nations that lay before you. Next is the word halak, uh, he, the, the root word halak, and he says that Adonai will go before you, or Adonai will go with you. But what's really interesting here is this word halak means to walk. It's where we get the term halakha in Hebrew. Halakha is the way that we walk out the word of God. It's the way that we walk out the Torah. It's the way that we interact with the commandments on a daily basis. So he says, Adonai, your God, will walk before you. He will go ahead of you and prepare the way. He will pave the way for you in advance of you. So be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not have awe and dread of the people in front of you. And know that God is already walking in front of you, preparing the way. The next word is the word rafa, which is a root word meaning to slack, to cease, to consume, or to forsake. He says he will never uh, forsake you, he will never leave you, he will never cease to, uh, to be right there with you. And if you notice, this word sounds very familiar to another Hebrew word, rafa. They're related, exactly, spelled exactly the same way. Uh, and, and in this case, rafa means to heal. So when we say Adonai Rofech, Adonai our healer, God our healer. Uh, so he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never slack on taking care of you and providing for you. And the last word is the root word azab, which means to loosen, relinquish, forsake, or fell. So here when we read verse 6 in English, he says, Chazak, be courageous, do not be afraid or tremble before them, for Adonai your God, he is the one who goes with you. Again, he walks before you. He will not fail you or abandon you. When we look at it in the Hebrew, we realize that it goes way deeper than we can imagine in the English. All of a sudden, these words become a, a whole new picture. They take on a whole new life. And keep in mind that this particular time, there's three times in this Parsha that, it, that the Lord speaks to somebody and says, be strong and be courageous. This is the first time, and in the first time he's speaking to the entire nation of Israel through Moses. This is Moses' last message before the nation of Israel before he dies, uh, predicating the song that comes up in next week's Parsha. This is that last chance that he has to wake Israel up to the reality of what lays before them. And so the first time out, the Lord speaking through Moses speaks directly to the nation of Israel as a whole. Then verse 7, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel. So first it was just to Israel. Now it's to Joshua in front of the whole nation so it's round two for the nation of Israel be strong and be courageous for you are to go with this people into the land Adonai has sworn to their for to their fathers to give them you are to enable them to inherit it Adonai he is the one who goes before you he will be with you he will not fail you or abandon you do not fear or be discouraged and then finally in uh, Deuteronomy 31 verse 23 we read it again this time uh, Moses is commissioning Joshua he's anointing Joshua to do this particular role in leading Israel and he's saying this specifically to Joshua not to the entire nation not necessarily in front of the entire nation but this is a message specifically to Joshua then he commissioned Joshua son of Nun and said Chazak be courageous for you will bring B'nai Israel the children of Israel into the land I swore to them and I will be with you. And so yet the Lord again promises, I will be there with you. I think this is 
a really powerful statement when we look at this, uh, this passage in context. We actually read what's being said here to the nation of Israel. The very next thing that happens uh, in the midst of this, right before he commissions Joshua, is that there's the command for the public reading of the Torah every seven years on Sukkot. And this is so that the nation will always have this relationship with the Word of God. And to recognize that God does, in fact, go before us and prepare the way. A lot of times as we are walking in life and we're following what we think to be the will of God, what we think to be what He wants us to do in our lives, far Far too often we focus on what we can do in that scenario. We focus on what we can make happen, ignoring the fact that if it's the will of God, he's already prepared the way. And all we have to do is to walk in it. See, the first time around, Israel should have recognized this because they just witnessed the might and the power of the hand of God leading them out of Egypt in a miraculous way, in ways that nobody could have ever imagined, in ways that the, the, the magicians and the soothsayers and so on and so forth in Egypt couldn't even think of. And here the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob brings about these huge, amazing, awe-inspiring, miraculous events that brings Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He presents himself in a very literal presentation of his Shekinah, his divine glory, before the entire nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. And yet when they get to the Jordan Rivers, uh, the Jordan River, the Jordan River, and they send spies over to the Promised Land to check it out, these spies come back and they say, hey, it is exactly how God said it would be. But we can't do this. We can't take this land. And the nation of Israel, the first generation, goes, okay, we can't do it. Um, what are we going to do now? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's, uh, let's find another way around. Let's figure something else out because this isn't going to work. And Caleb stands up and says, why are you guys being idiots? Do not be afraid of them. God's already given it to us. And I love that it's Caleb that says, says this, right? So we're back in numbers right now. I love this as Caleb that says this because Caleb was a Kenizzite. Caleb was one of the, his family was one of the original inhabitants of the land of Canaan. Caleb wasn't actually a blood descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Caleb wasn't actually an Israelite. But Caleb was the head of the tribe of Judah. Caleb was the only, uh, one of the only two spies that brought back an, uh, a promised report, a good report of the promised land. And Caleb was the only one of those two spies that had the chutzpah to stand up and say, don't be an idiot. The Lord has already done all of this. You can see what God can do. Let's go do it. Here we see Joshua taking over leadership and the Lord reiterates this promise. You saw the land. You saw how good it was. You saw everything I've laid out before you. You've already seen the way this can happen. So how about you take the people in? You be strong and courageous so they'll see your strength in me. And they'll be strong and courageous and have strength in me so that they can go in and, and, and take the promise that I have given. They can go in and take the inheritance that is theirs. What I think is the most important about this is the reality that the only way Israel can do this is if they recognize that God walks before them. This is one of the beauties of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle was a temporary dwelling place. We're about to celebrate Sukkot in about a week and a half. And Sukkot, we set up these huge sukkahs and we, we live in them, we eat in them, we interact with them. And it's to remind us of our wilderness journey and of the, the tabernacle and the tents that we stayed in in the wilderness and so on and so forth. But what's beautiful about the Mishkan, about the tabernacle, was that it was temporary. It was temporal. It could be picked up and moved. So whenever we went to do something, we went off to war, we traveled, whatever it was, we were led by the presence of God through the wilderness through the journey and the promised land, to possess the promised land, through the wars that we went through and everything else. And then all of a sudden, one day we go, eh, you know, God, this tent's really not good enough for you. How about we build you a palace? We'll place you in there. And at some point, 
We'll come back to you, but right now we're going to walk away to go do what we got to do. And we'll come back. Don't worry. We've got to go off the war, God. You stay here. We'll go do this, but we'll come back to you. All right, God, we got to go on a journey. You stay here. We'll come back to you. But the reality is, is that God wanted to walk before us everywhere that he took us, everywhere that we were going, everywhere that we went. And the reality is, is when God is, in fact, walking before us, we can be strong. We can be courageous. We can be fearless. That doesn't mean we have to be an idiot, but we can be fearless because we know that when God has paved the way before us, that he will see us into success and his calling and his vision. And many of you may be going through things right now in your life where you're trying to figure out or perhaps you've already figured out and you're scared to death to, to, to justify what that answer really is, that the Lord has something in store for you, that he is doing something, he's moving you into a new direction, a job field, a move, whatever it may be, something in school, whatever, that, the God, is, that God is directing you towards something. And he's telling you, don't worry, I've got this. All you have to do is be faithful and step out in it and trust me. All you have to do is be strong and courageous and know that I have this. Just walk behind me. Walk with me. I've got this under control. Just trust in me. Don't let the giants around you put fear in your heart. Know that I've already made this happen. And a lot of times we get into these situations where we see God leading us in a direction. Uh, you guys have heard me talk a lot about Danielle and my life and our marriage and, and traveling around when we were... Um, first married we lived in mobile and uh we you know, my dad was the rabbi of the synagogue we were at we grew up in it etc cetera, etc cetera. and god called us to new york well first he he talked to danielle about it because she's a harder sell so he took a little longer to talk to her about it than he did me uh, but for a couple of years he was talking to danielle and saying hey uh, i want you to move to new york and she would come to me and go hey god wants us to move to new york and i'd go no he doesn't you don't know what you're hearing that's not what he's saying. Uh, and so we, we had this back and forth for a year or two. And then one day I'm down at a conference in Orlando and uh, somebody talks to me about this, this college program that's going on, this Messing Jewish Studies program, et cetera. And, uh, and I come back and I go, hey, what do you think about moving to New York? And she goes, the heck do you think I've been saying for two years now? <laughs> it's about time you catch up. And so, but, but when we felt this call, when we knew it was God, you know, it's one of these things where it's really easy to sit back and go, okay. I know God's calling me to move to New York, so uh, let's take two or three years. We'll save up some money. We'll get things in order. We'll make sure that we have everything we need. We'll make sure that we can pay for this and we can do that. And, we'll, and God's going, no, 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 no. I'm saying now I want you to just, come on, let's go. We're, oh, we'll, we'll get there, God. We'll catch up with you. Just, just let us get this set and ready. Let us get this. So when God called us to New York, we didn't do any of that. As a matter of fact, I, I, I jokingly like to say that Danielle and I perhaps out of uh, too much uh, excitement for when God's moving uh, on our part. Um, Danielle and I are really good about when God says move, we just move. Um, and so God called us to New York, and uh, as soon as we felt that call, as quickly as we could, we packed everything up and we headed out. And we moved to New York and we started school and everything. And then God called us back down south and he called us to Georgia, which again was a longer conversation for her uh, than it was for me. And the first time she came to me and said, hey, God's calling us back down south. I said, the heck he is. <laughs> we are, no. No, we actually get to be comfortable six months out of the year here when the weather's not smoldering. Um, down there, that's not the case. Uh, and so, uh, but he, you know, kind of was pulling at her heart for a little while, and she would come to me and say, hey, I feel like God's calling us down. No, he's not. This is where we're going to be. We're staying here. Uh, and then finally, I felt that God was calling us down. I said, hey, what do you think about moving back down south? What the heck do you think I've been saying for 
So finally God says to go and we pack up and we leave and we just leave everything behind and we make our way to the next place that he's got for us. And then God called us from there to here. We had no clue what we were doing next and he called us to Bowling County to start the synagogue and we just packed up and left and we started the synagogue. It was one of those things where we could have taken our time and we could have planned it and perhaps at times maybe we should have taken more time planning things out. I don't know. But we felt the Lord was leading us to do this and we knew that this was something that was needed in this area and we just packed up and we did and we went and we started and now we are where we are and doing what we're doing with the people that we're doing it with because we were willing to trust in the Lord and to trust that he was walking before us and that he was preparing the way ahead of us, that he was fighting those battles for us and that all we had to do was faithfully be strong and courageous and trusting in him. We don't have to be strong and courageous against the enemy that stands before us. We just have to be strong and courageous and trusting in the one who fights for us. A lot of times we think we have to have the strength ourselves, but we don't. We just have to have the strength enough to trust in God. If you pay attention to the book of Joshua when Israel goes in the promised land, they were three battles in before they ever had to pick up a sword. The very first battle, God miraculously brought down the walls of Jericho. They just had to do a couple of laps. And then scream really loud, um, but maybe they were sports fans. They just had to do a couple of laps and the walls came crashing down and they just had to clean up the mess. How many of us in our lives find ourselves making bigger messes because we didn't wait for God to do what he was going to do so that we just cleaned up the mess that he was getting out of our way? How many of us find ourselves in situations where we know God wants us to do something and we go for it gung-ho as fast as we can and realize that we were about three years ahead of what God was trying to do instead of him walking before us we just took off running and we got way up ahead down the road and went why are you still back there you told me to go and he says I didn't tell you to go right now I will walk before you that means you've got to see me in front of you in order to go do this he tells Israel be strong and courageous do not fear the nations around you. Know that I am walking before you, that I'm going with you. I'm not going to just leave you on this journey on your own. I've got you. How many times in our spiritual lives has the Lord opened our eyes to something? Heck, most of you are in a Messianic synagogue right now, and those of you that don't realize you are, what have you been doing for the last hour and a half of your lives? You're in a Messianic synagogue right now, and I guarantee that two years ago, the majority of you would have never thought you'd find yourself in this place. Most of you are still sitting here going, I still don't know why I'm here. <laughs> this guy keeps getting up and talking and acting like an idiot, and I just keep coming every week. And every, but most of you two, three years, four years ago had no idea that you would have ever been in this place. And, this, and I don't mean just in this synagogue. I mean in this idea of a Messianic Jewish service at all. And yet here you are. And for some of you, it was a, a more difficult journey as you were battling with God over and over and over again, trying to get where he was trying to take you, but you were still over here pulling back as fast as you could, and he's walking ahead. And, and unlike those of us that rush out ahead of God, you're way back there going, um, keep going long, I'll get there. I'll get there, I'll, I'll catch up to you, it's okay. Um, run as fast, I, I've got this. I'm. And God's going, just come on. I want you with me, I want to take you. A lot of you are sitting here and you've gone through this process. That's not just a process of salvation, but you've gone through this process of watching the Lord as he's hacked away all of these little things in your life. 
that have hampered and damaged your relationship with him, that have hampered and damaged your relationships with others, that have hampered and damaged the way the Lord wants to work through you and other people's lives. And you've watched as he's slowly knocked the stone loose and broken the stone off of your heart and softened your heart and inscribed his word upon your heart and made your heart not only circumcised of the flesh of the heart but written the covenant, the renewed covenant as Jeremiah 31 talks about upon your heart. And it's taken you a period of time to get to where you are now but now that you're here you're going okay, now what's next God? What do you want me to do next? Where do you want me to plug in? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to go forward? What do you want me to do now? Some of you are finding yourselves in positions where you're longing for the next step, whether it's work or it's school or whatever, you're longing for that next step. And God's saying, just be strong and courageous and know that I walk before you. Don't get ahead of me. Don't run this race on your own. Let me run it with you. Let me walk ahead of you. Don't leave me behind in the temple in Jerusalem while you travel off to do whatever. I want to walk with you. I want my presence to go before you. The beauty of the work of redemption that was brought by the blood of the Lamb was that you and I have access to the Holy of Holies. That we have access to the Ruach HaKodesh, to the Shekinah, the divine glory of Adonai that only the high priest before us had access to. And only if he created a barrier of smoke between him and the presence. You and I get to not only reside in his presence, but we get to understand that his presence resides within us. And it's important that we walk following his presence, his lead, that we don't run ahead of him. As I said, that idea of being strong and courageous doesn't mean that we have to be able to do it all on our own. We just have to trust in the one who is doing the work for us as we walk with him. In Matthew 10, this is uh, just after or just before Yeshua sends uh, the 12 disciples out to minister. In Matthew 10, he's giving them instructions on what to do, where to do, how to do. And verse 26 says, so do not fear them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light and what you hear in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them shall fall to the ground apart from your father's consent. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not fear, for you are worth more than many sparrows. Your heavenly father says you have nothing to fear when he is leading the way because your life means more to him than anything else in creation. As we said last week, he would have offered his only begotten son if even only for you. Your life means more to him than anything else in creation. And what's powerful is that statement can be made to each and every person that breathes the breath of life and it rings true no matter who and no matter how many. He says, do not fear for you are worth more than many sparrows. Hebrews 13, we read this earlier uh, in our Torah service, uh, in the Berichah Deshah reading, verse 5, keep your lifestyle free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for God himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so that with confidence we can say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, 
what will man do to me? This comes from Psalm 118, uh, which is part of the, the Hallel Psalms. It's the end of the Hallel Psalms. Verse 1 of Psalm 118 says, Praise out an eye, for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. Oh, let Israel say, for your lo- his loving kindness endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, for his loving kindness endures forever. Let those who fear Adonai say, for his loving kindness endures forever. Out of a tight place I called on Adonai. Adonai answered me with a spacious place. Adonai is for me. I will not fear what can man do to me. Adonai is my helper. I will see the downfall of those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in Adonai than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in Adonai than to trust in princes. It says, uh, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. It is important that we understand that if God goes before, if he has prepared the way for, if he, if he is walking ahead of us, There is nothing that any other man around us can do to us to diminish what God is trying to do in us and for us. There is nothing that the enemy or any of his minions can do to try and damage and diminish what the Lord is doing in us and through us and for us, except what we allow them. Be strong and courageous in trusting that the Lord is walking before you. You don't have to be strong and courageous in what lays before you. Be strong and courageous in trusting that the Lord walks before you and has already paved the way. John 15, verse 18, many of you uh, sitting here are dealing with families who uh, either you are uh, a Jewish believer and your family doesn't understand that, and they look at you like you're a complete and total whack job, and, uh, and, and they've denied you, they've, un, uh, uh, they've sold you off, they've written you off, they've, they've acted like you're dead. As far as they're concerned, you're already gone and buried away. Some of you are sitting here and your family is uh, in church still and you grew up in church and your family's going, the heck are you doing? Jesus died that we could be free of all that Jewish stuff. First off, free of what Jewish? You, you weren't in it in the first place. How are you going to be free of something that you weren't in? He died so that we could be restored to covenant relationship with him. And this isn't Jewish stuff. This is his stuff. And your family's looking at you thinking you're crazy. And they're treating you like you're crazy. Or they're yelling at you. They're saying you're an idiot. They're, they're saying all kinds of horrible things to you. But the Lord is saying, be strong and courageous and know that I go before you. Verse 18 of chapter 15 of the book of John says, Yeshua says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But you are not of the world since I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for the sake of my name. Yeshua speaking. Because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done works among them that no one else did, they would have no, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and have hated my, uh, both me and my father. So is fulfilled the word written in the scriptures. They hated me for no reason. When the helper comes, the Ruach HaKodesh, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have spoken these things to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will throw you out of the synagogue. Yes, an hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering sacrifice to God. 
They will do these things because they have never known the Father or me, but I have spoken these things to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. I did not tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. It's important for us to understand that there is nothing that we are going to experience that is any worse than the one that we are to emulate experienced. We are to live like Yeshua. We are to act like Yeshua. We are to walk like Yeshua. We are to teach like Yeshua. We are to worship like Yeshua. And we are to deal with whatever suffering comes to us like Yeshua. Because he has already walked before us. Do not let your friends and your family destroy what the Lord, what Lord is trying to do to you, through you, in you, and for you. Be strong and courageous and know who goes before you. Be strong and courageous. Chazak, be courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble before them. For Adonai, your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Far too often we get stuck in the idea of trying to find our own way. We get stuck in this idea that it is our role to make God's will happen. But it's not. All we have to do is to trust him and to follow him. Remember, this whole process began through Abraham, who was our forefather, that got called out from Ur of Chaldees from his own family's household and said, I want you to go to a place that you've never seen before. I'll tell you when you're there, do not be afraid. Trust in me, and I've paved the way for you. He says the same thing to Isaac and to Jacob. He says the same thing to Moses and to Aaron and to Joshua. He says the same thing to David and Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Isaiah over and over and over and over again. This message of I have already made it possible. Just walk with me. Be strong and courageous in trusting in my faithfulness to you. And it will all pan out. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that everything's going to go the way you hope it does. That doesn't mean that everything's going to miraculously fall in your lap. But what it does mean is that if we are faithful to him, we will see his faithfulness to us. And when we are not faithful to him, it doesn't change his faithfulness. All it does is take our perspective out of place. And he still stands there and waits and says, all right, come on, follow with me. Come on, I've got this for you. Just come, come follow behind me. Be strong and courageous and know that God goes before you. It doesn't matter if you're trying to figure out a job scenario. It doesn't matter if you're trying to figure out the next place in life for you. It doesn't matter if your family's treating you like crap because of this or that. It doesn't matter what's happening at work. It doesn't matter what's happening at the grocery store. It doesn't matter what's happening anywhere else. If God has led you to something, if God has called you to do something, do what God has called you to do. Be strong and courageous and trust in his faithfulness. Trust in the fact that he goes before you, that he has paved the way for you, and that he's made it possible even when you don't see it. The problem with the first generation at the Jordan River the first time around was that they were not strong and courageous in their faithfulness to God. They were not strong and courageous in trusting that the Lord has made a way. The second generation was. It doesn't mean they were always strong and courageous in trusting him because we don't get very far into Joshua before they, we see their first big mistake. But they were faithful, they were strong, and they were courageous to cross the Jordan as a nation and to watch what God was going to do before them. 
And I want to encourage you this morning, whatever you're going through, whatever the Lord is speaking to you about, whatever others are doing to you because of what the Lord has done for you, be strong and courageous and know that God goes before you. It doesn't matter what the outside world is doing. It doesn't matter what you think could be easier if something changed here or there. God goes before you. If he's called you to do it, he's made a way for it to happen. All you have to do is trust him. And what we end up seeing is that in Joshua, we take possession of what is our inheritance. And the moment we stopped being strong and courageous and trusting in him is the moment we sold ourselves short on the fullness of what God had in store for us. And the Philistines became a problem over and over and over again because we didn't rid the land of them, because we stopped being strong and courageous in faithfulness to what the Lord was leading us to do. And guess what? The Philistines, both physically and spiritually, although that people group doesn't actually exist anymore, are still a problem for our people today. Every single generation that continues to fall in the curse of the generation before them perpetuates the third and fourth generation, another third and fourth generation. Be strong and courageous and know that God is going before you. Avarachimim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you that you care so much for us, that you love us so much, that you have given everything that we may be able to be restored and renewed to you, that we may be able to walk faithfully in you and for you. Father, I thank you that you have prepared a way for us to be restored uh, in relationship with you, in covenant with you, that you have made it possible for us to be able to uh, live in unity with you. And Father, I pray that for each and every one of us today that you will continue to encourage us to walk faithfully in relationship with you. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen.